Welcome to the GB Sports Performance Podcast with me, Grace Brown. This podcast is all things sports, performance and fitness, and I'll be interviewing industry experts to help shed some light on these topics. For more information, you can find me at Grace Brown Fitness on socials. Hey team, so welcome to the GB Sports Performance Podcast. I am super excited to have Mike in today. Mike is a sports physio. He is extremely passionate about shoulders and knees, especially the ACL. And he has past experience with Worcester Warriors um, and loves educating his patients to take ownership of their rehab and especially get them back to sport. So without further ado, I am going to welcome Mike. We are going to discuss all things ACLs today and here we go. So welcome Mike to the GB Sports Performance Podcast. Um, So yeah, how are you today basically? I'm good thanks. Busy morning clinic but cannot complain. Fair enough. So before we get started in and get into talking all things ACL. Um, Mike is a sports physio and I have had the pleasure of working with him myself and I know many people I know have worked with him Um, but can you tell me a little bit about you and your background and how and how you've got to where you are today basically? Sure so came into physio really just through my love for rugby anyway you know as a kid plenty of knocks and injuries loved working with physios you know thought maybe that's something I could do so just went from there really went to Nottingham and graduated um, with my physio degree decided to start and just get my basic rotations done in HS wise because I think it's really important to get grounded and have that you know that understanding from from other sides because I think a lot of people think physios we just do what I do which is like kind of musculoskeletal stuff but then there's a whole other side to it in terms of orthopedics post-surgery you can do respiratory neurology and there is some crossover so I think mm-hmm. most people should do that but a lot don't Excellent. um yeah from there went into elite sports we started working with Worcester Warriors which is sad now isn't it with the state yeah, I know. it's so sad I hope I know. They come back, but who knows I know. but yeah that that brilliant absolutely love that gives you a massive you know a massive grounding you get to learn a lot more than you would do anywhere else um and it also gives you the appreciation of of how far you can push people you know the expectation within how people adapt and how quickly you can go because i think if you don't have that i find a lot of people are quite conservative mm. um both in terms of time frames and how hard to push people um and for someone who's in pretty good shape and has a really good level you know a good baseline of fitness um I think often they get undersold and they wonder why pathology and things take longer to heal or why you know things aren't going the way they should do. And I think we really do undersell people. Um, so I think working elite sport really helps with that. Yeah. Um, and after that, decided to um, purely for balance because uh, it's not a great work-life balance when you work in elite sport. I'm sure you understand. Um, then I went into managing a hospital, uh, managing a private um, physiotherapy department in a hospital, which was really good fun. That was all post-operative orthopedics, so a huge amount of you know ACL rehab and all that kind of stuff, as well as just normal outpatients. And then decided just to go into purely private stuff because I got tired of managing people, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. And so, um, in terms of what would you say your speciality is? Because I know like physios tend to kind of um, often specialise a little bit more, especially sure. um, 
for certain uh, injuries I suppose oh, you'll do a bit of everything but what what do you say sure. what you deal with most sure two things I enjoy the most shoulders um, I think that again comes from a background in rugby as you can imagine huge volume of shoulders quite a complex joint that I feel like most people don't have a great understanding of too especially not you know exposed to loads so I love doing shoulder work and then needs is a big one for me and especially ACLs since I've had two ATL injuries myself um even even as a student I did actually one of my thesis on um different ACL grafts and stuff so that was before I even had an ACL injury so that kind of triggered it going forward um yeah. and I love it it's good fun. perfect awesome so obviously um I'm recommending ACL people to you all the time or anyone that has an injury <laughs> um so what do you find is great about what you do and what do you find is really difficult about what you do sure um great things i love to do i love building you know that kind of relationship with people um with my job it's just it's, it's brilliant because you know you see a surgeon you see a doctor you probably see them only two or three times you don't get much time with that patient to understand them as an individual and what their needs are and i really like you know having that understanding of a patient because nobody's different you get the same pathology in two people and they will respond completely differently the more you get to know someone the better you can understand their, you know their individual desires and needs what works well for them because you need to be flexible as a physio you can't treat the same condition in two people the same way because generally it yeah. doesn't work um so i really enjoy that love educating making people understand because that's another big thing i find compliance can be a problem with rehab especially if you're going to talk about acls when it's a nine to twelve month process if they don't buy and don't understand what you're doing and what the process is and how it's going to help them or what it means for their knee, um, I find people don't engage too much. So for me, yeah. taking ownership of your problem and understanding both the pathology and the physiology in terms of what the problem is and how you're going to change that, I think is a, is really important. I really enjoy that process. Mm. Um, things that I find frustrating is there's various things really i said compliance can be an issue where people just don't seem to buy in um and that's an issue it's one of the things that i hope we may speak about a bit later on where you know when i say to people about when you should or shouldn't have the acl reconstruction as an operation if you've been told you have a rupture one of the big things for me which most people don't consider is are you going to do it are you going to go through the process and are you going to commit to it because as we'll speak on later sometimes the rates of people getting back into sport isn't as good as i think it should be Mm. And one of the reasons why people just don't commit to the process. Um, so I think there's so much transferability to what I do as well. All those things, sure. is, you know, it's about being an investigator um, and like seeing how people tick and how they're going to work, etc., to get actually the results. And it's the same with what I do um, sure. as well. Obviously, not to the deep levels of injuries, but. Um, yeah, it's so interesting what you say in terms of the difficulty as well is getting sure. people to comply and actually realise the benefits and, 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 and like you say, educating them. And I think the more that's talked about it, the more people will understand. Um, and I'm hoping the people that listen to this will, will actually get that appreciation, especially from experts like yourself. Um, any other bits you wanted to add to that? Or is that good? Not that I could think. I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I don't. <laughs> want to well, I know. I know we could talk about ACLs all day because uh, we've yeah. had a few conversations around this anyway. Okay, well, let's get into the specifics of what I wanted to discuss today. And we are going to be talking all things ACL. I'm going to keep it generally quite broad and then I'll go into some specifics.
topics. Um, so I thought, let's start with what is the ACL uh, and why is it so important when you play sport? So maybe sure. just kind of explain that yeah. so people know. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so the ACL is just a ligament that sits in inside the knee itself, and it's you know this is why they're so important in one respect is that most ligaments attach a bone to a bone, but they're what we call extra articular, so they're kind of outside of the joint space and the joint capsule itself. Mm. But the ACL itself sits right within the joint, and it's right within the joint capsule itself. So it's the, you know it's a real connection between your thigh bone and your shin bone. Mm. Um, and really, what what its what its job to do it, in essence is provide stability. Because I said ligaments attach bone to bone, so they really try and give you an end point to what your joint can do. Um, which is why you know if you do something you know for an ACL injury, they don't happen just by you know by 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 light things. You have to really give it some generally. Um, I mean that their, their essential role is to keep the knee in, in good alignment. It stops the, the the thigh bone and the shin bone moving and sliding over each other. Um, and it also helps reduce excessive rotation of the of, of the of the shin on the thigh as well. Um, so it, it's, it's integral to be able to do things like quick decelerations, good landing mechanics, be able to stop, pivot, change direction, cut all those things. Without your ACL, you're going to really struggle to do those movement patterns, if at all. Okay, the reason that is basically why you need it in sports. You do all those Absolutely. movements. Okay. Yeah, so you don't need an ACL if you just want to do straight line work, like straight line running, or kind of you know what we call closed chain exercise, like squatting and stuff. You don't need an ACL. Um, it's it's not necessary for those things, but to stop pivot, change direction, to land efficiently, that kind of stuff, it's it's integral. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so um, let's move on to the next question. Why is it? Well, we probably answered it ourselves already by those answers but why is it often injured during a sports um why is it so prolific in a, a, an acl rupture in sport sure sure i mean i think there's there's several components to this to begin with i mean one thing is that generally acls are non non-impact you know kind of injuries most people think it's when someone smashes into your knee or you have that but actually the vast majority don't require contact at all yeah. uh, and i think that there's various reasons why i think one thing one thing for a start is I very, very, very rarely hear of people ever doing any kind of, you know, conditioning to help with this. Like you see people in terms of doing their, you know, their conditioning and their training, they do a huge amount of cardio work. They do loads of strength training. They do lots of flexibility and mobility, but not works on moving mechanics or landing patterns and stuff like that. It's just not seen, you know, you see warmups and prep stuff or even, you know, high level clubs. I never see landing mechanics, you know, trained and taught. I very rarely see people practicing their ability to stop, you know, decelerate, pivot, change direction. So these are all the things that you require to, you know, to A, prevent your ACL being injured, but equally it really helps with sport performance, but it's just not well done at all, yeah. um, which, I, which I find mildly baffling. I mean, secondly, I think more people are paying sport, especially more women. You know, women are getting much more into sport in this country, which is incredible to see, but... Again, which we can discuss later, or maybe for a different time. The prevalence of ACLs with women is is anywhere between four and eight times higher, depending on what research you look at compared to men. So that's something to deal with. Just um, and, the, and and another point to make is that the, the surfaces we play on are starting to change. There's some evidence starting to show that actually, kind of 3G, 4G, these artificial pitches also have a slightly higher yeah. prevalence compared to like a grass natural pitch. Um, yeah. Which again, I won't bore with details, but I think you know it's really kind of multifactorial. Yeah, um, and I guess the last point to make is people generally are fitter, stronger, quicker, and the games are played at higher speed with higher contacts, both from a professional standard. Even coming down now, I think 
generally people now compared to 50 years ago are in better shape you know we're quicker and we're stronger mm. which means our forces are going to be higher too yeah that's true I suppose like I often say to a lot of my clients and people that athletes I've worked with is you know we're I, I can't stop all injuries but there's lots of things we can prevent and definitely sure. support but we are putting our bodies at risk when we play a sport and ACLs especially as females generally and the science is coming out or the evidence is coming out that that's going to get is more prolific and funnily enough which is 10 years ago when I was at the Aussie sevens doing S&C um, in 2015 mm-hmm. so this is before literally there was zero evidence then because they didn't do any testing on women sports science testing on women it was only on men I think it was at the time it was 75% of that squad had done their ACL, not just once, but twice. Um, And um, even without doing any kind of specific scientific testing, it's obviously kind of showing. And they were like, they weren't actually professional then, or they were just transitioning to professional. Um, But anyway, it was just, I thought it's quite interesting. And now it's finally being talked about um, different platforms and and stuff. So it's, uh, I mean, yeah, we could, I think going into the comparison of male and female, I think another topic we could maybe come back yeah, even if you want to go into re-injury rates and not even looking at the first ACL, yeah. but the second, again, I could I could bore you to death with that. But again, the <laughs> rate I'm is, sure you can. Yeah, um, okay, so I think uh, I think I I looked at that blog that you wrote, which I will uh, mention to people at the end as well, and yeah, you I'm put quite a few, uh, you put quite a, a few stats around recovery post ACL rupture and yeah. uh, uh, and surgery so not just yeah. post uh, surgery but can you kind of tell me a little bit more about the stats so I know it was about like return to sport and uh, often yeah. more about getting back to where you were pre the injury sure. surgery so sure. kind of yeah well kind of do that if that's okay that'd be quite yeah so 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 the big numbers the big values and again you know if everyone ever wants to know the research you can ask me because I've got I've got yeah. it all down there and in fact on my blog I do everything's referenced anyway so you should Perfect. be able to find that once I release it um mm. but really the, the big numbers and the big values that I find quite quite scary and again I'll compare really athletes to uh, to you know the standard population yeah. um, because I even feel like in the athletes the, the numbers aren't particularly fantastic but really uh, let's talk general population first so post-operative um roughly 80 only 80 percent of people go back to some form of sport post ACL, yeah, which means fifth don't return to anything but what really makes me concerned and what i think is is is, is stupid is that only 65 percent of people post-op go back to the same level of the same standard of sport which which is a, which is a silly no number and i know when people read that and hear that oh, people often worry and think oh god you know it's almost a one in two chance they won't play but actually a lot of the factors as to why um, for me, are quite preventable, and, and, and you can change. I mean, the other thing we spoke about again is women. Unfortunately, again, depending on what you read, it's anywhere from three to six to some 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 studies suggest eight times more likely than men. And again, you know, th- there are m- numerous reasons as to why we think this is. You know, in terms of women's anatomy, slightly different in terms of the structure of their knee. Uh, in terms of hormonal change, everything's different. You generally have more laxity um, than men do. You have generally have longer limbs than men do. Um, there are loads of other neurological muscular things that the studies start to show where you have a slight delay in muscle contraction, especially in quads, so you don't get the same quite stability when you're plants and, 
Again, there are millions and one reasons as to why that is. Um, okay. But that is a number that we need to be aware of. Yeah. So um, in terms of why that is in general population, can you kind of expand or why sure. people might not go back to sport or might not get back to the level that absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I find I find a lot of it is is mostly confidence and trust. Um, it is a massive part to play uh, because I, I see people, I actually had a new patient come and see me two months ago who's two years post ACL, who still isn't doing any kind of sprint work, no sport specific work. And I spoke to them and asked them why. Um, and and it's, a, it's a common story I see all the time. Most people often will get discharged once they're back in the gym and training and they're doing straight line running. Yeah. Um, because yeah. a lot of places, especially, yeah, especially NHS based, unfortunately, once they deem you to be um functional you quite often get discharged and even if that's not the case i find very few people actually have really sport specific targeted rehab for the things we spoke about which is deceleration cutting pivoting changing direction yeah and when you haven't done any of that and no one's focused on it a generally obviously you're not gonna have the control you should but big people then don't trust themselves to just go and do it off the bat because it's generally how they injured it in the first place do you reckon that is why there is a potential for re-injury as well because massively, because massively. to return yeah. to like running slash um straight line stuff or functional fitness yeah. you know being able to yeah. live life and stuff that's only what probably four months post-surgery is it yeah. or yeah three to four five months depending on the person's experience sometimes even yeah sometimes even quicker so, you know, I was back doing all of that three months comfortably. Um, but again, it depends on the individual, their baseline, yeah. their pre-normal state, all these things. Well, I, uh, in my example, I only had like, I think physio to um, about maybe three months, four months mm -hmm. post surgery, mm -hmm. which is, and it's a 12 month process, even. Stuff. So obviously I took things into my own hands and COVID affected my journey. So it's a bit different, but so mine was yeah. a little bit longer, but uh, I remember as well talking about the confidence thing is like, because mm -hmm. I had no one telling me yes or no, I needed that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I kind of like, right, I did all the research, but it was quite interesting to, you know, and I'm and I'm someone that actually knows a little bit more about training and sure. sport. So sure. I was thinking most people are like, would be totally lost. Um, so Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. It's and it, yeah, it, it, it just comes to test and retest. And again, before you get back there, you know, for me with all my ACL patients, I go through a really quite stringent return to sport test. And mm. that is sport specific as well. It's not the same with everyone. Yeah. And again, the ideal for that, the idea for that for me is twofold. One, one for me to see and make sure functionally, mechanically, they, their knee is tolerant and doing what it should do. But mm. two, almost to prove to your patient, actually, you can see all these things. These are all sport specific. These are things that, are in your game and are going to test race yet and you can do it yeah you know and if they fail it fair enough then we know they're not ready to go back but if they do it not only is it a good marker to show them their knees capable functionally but it's good for their own confidence and belief system to show them that actually they can do what they need to do yeah fair enough um and then well what uh in terms of elite athletes let's mm -hmm. go they have a slightly different journey than the general pop of course yeah, of course. And again, it's roughly 82% getting back into the same standard sports. So the percentage is much higher. Mm -hmm. But like, like I say to everyone, when you're an elite athlete, you are paid to do the rehab. It is your job to do the rehab. You have every resource available to you under the sun. 
you know there, there is absolutely no excuse not to do so um yeah. so yeah it's not really worth comparison between them but no. but i do feel like a lot of the way uh, that, that as we said before a lot of the reason why is purely time and compliance yeah yeah I think um with the sports psychologist I spoke to it's the same thing it's like you just have the resources and you haven't got another job to do so you're like you say paid to get get this done and and want to return and they often return a bit a a bit quicker as well because they're day in day out doing the rehab whereas a general person might only do a couple times a week yeah and that's if they're compliant (laughs) plus their pre plus their pre-injury baseline should be better anyway you know they should be stronger and more tolerant yeah yeah Yeah, so their body should adapt quicker anyway and they should have more in the tank than we do so yeah fair enough okay well um i think we've kind of covered that side of things so um i think yeah that was mainly the Oh, I know what the next thing I wanted to do um, is talk about the common mistakes people make around their ACL recovery. Sure, sure. Um, I've got a little number of them, really. And again, there's probably thousands, um, but but a few, again, that I highlight. One thing is not being prepared for your surgery. And I mean that both physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, because if you go into your op and you spend months kind of feeling sorry for yourself and your knees are a little bit swollen, you know, your, your, you know, your muscles have dropped, so you, you know, your quads are a bit weaker and, you know, things aren't going, you're going to find it much more difficult in that first process to get into it. Um, yeah. So both from a, from a physical and a mental point of view, you know, big mistake to go into it massively unprepared with a really deconditioned knee. Um, yeah. It's not necessary. Um, another one again i'm not going to go into loads of detail i'm not going to say all of them that i've mentioned in my blog but some of the biggest ones um one thing i find again this isn't always from a patient this is often from a physio point of view again it is just that not testing and and retesting enough during the rehab to test where they are at and whether they're ready to push on and not push on um again i've given some examples uh stuff like a single vertical hop test and then triple hop test and wide balance and loads of different bits looking at hamstring and quad you know quad powers again all that stuff's really important um one thing i see all the time is people neglecting their hamstrings obviously if they've had a hamstring graft there are other grafts available but hamstring grafts are by far the most common yeah um, and i'm sure you'd agree with this i see a huge amount of patients that focus on kind of their quad strength and their range of movement and even when they do look at their landing mechanics and stuff and then a lot of people neglect their hamstring but your hamstring is so important for you know, efficient, you know, efficient knee, you know, knee mechanics. Um, and if you've had a graft from there, you really need to, you know, pay a lot of attention to that hamstring because not only obviously is it important for your sprinting and decelerating all that kind of stuff, but obviously, you know, you, your quad, your hamstring attached, you know, in front and behind the shin. So they can also give you some degree of control, which is what your ACL is also trying to do. So if you've got a really strong quad pulling at the front, but you've got a really weak posterior chain from the hamstring at the back, you're already pulling a little bit more stress on that shin bone, on the, on the thigh bone. Um, which again is a big mistake to make gotcha okay um, yeah and again there's loads of other stuff stuff like as I said before lack of sport specifically to generic rehab is a massive problem mm. you know if you play if you're a netball player compared to a rugby player your rehab should not look the same yeah fair enough yeah for sure um okay so what would be um your top tips then if you are not a pro or a top athlete but would like to return to sport Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a few things really want, you know, again, I don't just want to sell physios or sell strength conditioning coaches, but generally, if you don't really know what you're doing or you don't feel confident, 
find someone who understands both your sport, but equally, you know, a little bit about conditioning mechanics and that kind of stuff. Because I said the biggest issue with a lot of these things is that people don't get sport specific and they don't have the information that they need. Um, so try and find someone who both understands your surgery, but also understands your sport um, because it's really important. Yeah, like you, exactly. <laughs> Basically um, what I do. Yeah, but it is so important because, you know, the difference between, I say, you know, a few sports that I do and do a lot of is, is, is rugby. Um, I do a huge amount of netball as well, and I work quite a bit with dancers thanks to, to, to my wife and that side of her industry. Yeah. Um, but again, if someone came into me who had, you know, yes, I, I specialise in shoulders, but, you know, they had, you know, something I've never seen before, a sport I don't like, golf, for example, I don't know the ins and outs and the technical aspects of golf. So quite often someone will come to me and I'll say, listen, I can I can give you a good shoulder, but I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of this. Let me try and find someone who understands it better. Um so, you know, that that is really important. Perfect. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Is I think sometimes, especially with general population, they think they have to kind of suffer alone and don't seek more help. And sure. you know, certain physio, obviously, I would recommend people to yourself. And then there's the next stage of the type of um, people I work, uh, I I deal with is like that next stage after uh, big surgery after the physio has either signed them off or they've stopped having physio. So definitely someone like myself or you just to kind of get them on the road uh, and uh, definitely uh, get them back to sport is definitely a big priority. And um, if we've got a few minutes, uh, I have got a few questions that I put on my question box yesterday on Insta and we might have covered the answers already and um, one is from uh, a guy that I know who's recently had ACL surgery um, and he says what's the best muscles to strengthen post ACL surgery to stop it rupturing again from sport hmm. sure that's it that's yeah that's it's quite a broad question uh, and the, 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 uh generally all of them no um, okay the, 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 the big two that, that we focus on quite a bit is obviously your quad and your hamstring because yeah. they're the two that control the knee primarily. Um, so really important, you know, your quad and hamstring are good and strong. You have what we call full recruitment and you've got a good balance between the two. There should always be a ratio of four to three quad to hamstring as a rough measure um, okay. to get that balance correct. Um, yeah. And again, people ask all the time how you test. We have dynamic muscle testers to look at, you know, power output and that kind of stuff and various bits of bone. So that's important. Other thing, really important, lateral glutes. So, yeah. you know, we talk about glute me, glute min, because again, your knee is obviously only a hinge. So in terms of the pivot and the rotation of, of the knee, that comes from your hip. Yeah. So that also really, really important. Again, underworks in most people, I find. Um, so really, if you're going to have to pick kind of a few bits, I'd say quad hamstring, and then you glute me, glute me into the hip abductor, external rotator, really important. Yeah, I did a lot of hip abduction as well, and abduction yeah. is super important. Um, okay, I've got another question, um, and I know this person's recently also had an ACL reconstruction, but she has asked, rehab differences between quad and hamstring grafts, and I know she had a quad one, it's her second ACL reconstruction, yes. um, so yeah. I don't actually know what the difference is, so I'm really interested to find out. Sure. I mean, it's it, they're, they're, you, you have to treat them completely differently, even though you're still looking for the same thing from the knee itself in terms of the stability, et cetera. The two grafts are very different. Obviously, hamstring graft, you just take a small tendon from okay. generally from semitendinosis gracilis, which is just two muscles in the back of the leg. But um, 
and then the other one is what we call a bone patella bone. So they take a little bit of bone off the top of the, you know, of, of the of the patella itself, and then a little bit from the bone underneath. You take the tendon from the middle. Um, so the differences are quite stark, especially especially early doors with what you're doing, because you're not going to be doing kind of heavy decline work um, if you've got a bone patella bone, because it puts a little bit too much stress. But then if you have the hamstring graft, you're not going to be doing really heavy loaded hamstring work either. So they 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 should they should be tailored completely differently, especially early doors. Mm. Um, one focusing much more on protecting that patella tendon, but making sure the quad is still activating because there are some things you can do to get the quad fired up. If you have a hamstring graft, that you would not do if you have the bone patella bone graft because you have to be careful with the loading through that patella tendon. But ultimately, once you get to kind of six months plus and it starts getting sport specific, then they should be exactly the same as long as that, that six it months of conditioning yeah. both is good enough. It should start coming together when you get to that point. Um, so it's more about the, the more about the uh, you know the, the early stages up to the mid phases, which things have to be different. It's just being careful in terms of loading the tissue when it's still quite sore post-surgery. Gotcha. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and then I think finally, the main thing uh, I want to ask is where can people find you and online and in person? Because you do work in person as a physio. Uh, and is, is there any other projects you've got coming up? I know you've got this blog about ACLs coming up that I can share with people when it comes live. Yeah, Something I've got like another one with a, yeah, absolutely. I've got another one with a surgeon who actually did my ACL reconstruction um, with the company that I work for as well. So that's coming up. So it'll be me, the surgeon who specialised in ACL reconstructions, and the guy interviewing is, um, is also a physio who's um, incredibly well uh, versed in all that kind of stuff. Awesome. So that's, that's fun. I'm also doing like a PG Cert Part Masters myself at the moment, which oh. is really oh, fun. Yeah, Diagnostic Orchestrand. So, oh yes you did tell me that sorry <laughs> yeah so that'll be fun that'll be fun um and then in terms of people finding me if they want to find me so i work for a company called complete physio so if you google it you can find it pretty quickly i've got my own profile and blog on there it's got my email address and contact details more than happy for people to reach out to you if they want to and yeah, they anytime yeah no problem yeah anytime at all Awesome. I think that's it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think no a lot problem. of people find that useful, as I do have an ACL following, I think, now. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think we will definitely need to dive into some of those other topics around the ACL, especially compared uh, males and females. So watch this space, sure. everyone. And thanks again, Mike. Have a great rest of your day. No problem. Absolutely. Anyone can reach out to me. I'm more than happy to message and talk. Perfect. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for listening to the GB Sports Performance Podcast with me, Grace Brown. If you have any questions for me or my guest, please drop me a message at Grace Brown Fitness on Instagram. Thank you.